Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to episode 32 of Trail Society, brought to you by our friends over at Free Trail. My name is Corinne Malcolm. I'm Keely Henninger. And I'm Hillary Allen. And we're all at home somehow. And <laughs> I think we were before we uh, we hit record, we were just talking about how we're all, li- life is feeling a little bit chaotic. I told the, the woman helping put this crown in my mouth today at the dentist. I was like, I thought the week was really long and I realized it's only Tuesday. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I just was talking about my stress dream where I run Western States and then by mile 70, I get stuck in a maze of five different puzzles and I have to complete them in order to move on and everyone catches me. <laughs> so we're doing, we're doing really, really phenomenally well. Um, Keely, how's the ankle? You're, you're running. You definitely look like you're running. Like you've, I've seen, I've seen Strava and, and Instagram proof that you're running. Yeah. But I mean, um, what's up there? Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely back to running. I actually just got the green light to cut out all of my ultra G miles this week. So no more ultra G. So it's all on ground running from this point forward, which is really exciting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd say I feel pretty good most of the time, but then sometimes I feel like crap and I freak out and think that my ankle is broken again, or that my hips are broken or all sorts of stuff's broken. And then, you know, I go talk to my physical therapist and he tells me that everything is actually amazing. I'm progressing well and that I'm going to start doing this kind of run or this kind of workout. And I always have to look at him like, really? I feel like I'm just like treading water here. And he's like, no, you're doing really good. And so uh, anybody else going through an injury, I feel your pain. It is like a roller coaster, but you know, we're coming out and just trust yourself and have fun with it. And it's really fun to be back running because I missed it. It was like, you know, losing a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels like that for sure. Steven was gearing up to take our dog for a run on Sunday. And I was like, Oh, maybe I'll go mountain bike out in that area. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to ride my red bike. It's like, it's easier. I'll feel better if I had to go do that right now. And I was like legit sad for like the first time in a second. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to go do this thing with you. Like I want to go mm-hmm. for a run that looks so nice and easy and not complicated. And I'm not going to worry about my rear tire flatting the entire time or whatever it is that I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. freaking out about. But yeah, I uh, I saw UW Sports Med on Friday. For those of you following the pelvis saga, which it definitely is a saga at this point, um, we're <laughs> treating kind of a. As we tried to ramp back up my miles, I I got a little bit of a kind of a unweighting pain at my pubic rami again, which is like indicative of bone, not soft tissue. So we kind of are just being extra cautious, pull like pulled back on everything. I'm like, like I've got an MRI scheduled, but I'm kind of on the fence if we get it or not. Um, just because like, we're pretty sure it's like a level one stress reaction. And, you know, we know exactly what I need to do, like take a little bit of time off and then I can start run walking and kind of ramp from there. But I think it's like, leaning into what your PT says, leaning into what your ortho says and being like your your coach, right? Like being like kind of that Jesus take the wheel moment Mm -hmm. because you need someone in your corner who isn't mistaking the forest for the trees, right? Who can like have that zoomed out view or, or, or who can like kind of break, break up your own clouded judgment of yourself and be like, no, actually you're, you're good. No, actually that workout was good. No, actually your mobility is really amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you're progressing as you should, because I think when you've been hurt for such a long time and Hillary knows this all too well, I think as well, it's really easy to not trust yourself at all. And so being able to trust someone else, I feel like is really, really awesome Mm -hmm. and very valuable. Yeah. I mean, and it's not, this isn't meant to sound like 
sad. Um, it's just matter of fact, at least for me, you know, it's been, uh, you know, for the past five years, kind of like on and off, uh, injuries all related to my big accident, but you know, it doesn't get easier, but, um, to deal with the ups and downs, but you just get better at adapting, I would say. And because it's a constant roller coaster, it's like, I always view it. It's like, okay, maybe you still have to go on the crazy upswings and the, in the, you know, the big downswings, but that you get almost used to that feeling or used to recognizing what you need in those moments. And so I just think it's a, (laughs) it's never easy, but, um, it's always a good learning experience and at least it hopefully should form some sort of community that, you know, we can, we're in it together to some extent, even though (laughs) we can't do the recovering for one another. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I think the ups and downs, they like give us our own story. You know, um, JT, when I was really struggling said something like, you know, JK Rowling didn't write all the Harry Potters as one book. She wrote them as separate books for a reason. So it's like, you know, these are all parts of our novel to, you know, whatever end we may get. Um, but it's not one chapter, it's multiple chapters. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really easy to write the finish to write like that last, that last page before you have even gotten started. So don't do that. Don't write your last page yet. Uh, we'll go chapter by chapter with all of us here and, and kind of in that vein today, we're actually going to, um, we're not, we're not going to get there yet, but at post race, some racing news and some news news, we're going to answer some more of your personal questions, things that you have DM'd us, um, over the course of the past, you know, several months since the last time we did this. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what's coming down the road after that as well. Um, but first we have to give a huge, huge shout out to one of the companies making this possible for us over here at trail society. And that is Athletic Greens. Again, Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a bunch of gut health issues and he ended up on this super complicated supplement routine that cost him over a hundred dollars a day, which is insane. And in creating Athletic Greens, you know, he he found that it was hard to otherwise create an optimal nutrition routine on his own. And so since then, this has been shown to improve sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness because it's got all sorts of yummy mushrooms in it, but not that kind of mushroom. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So very, very cool. We're happy to be working with them. Uh, Steven has been digging into my stash though recently. So uh, I'm going to have to get back on the phone with Athletic Greens because it is dwindling quickly over here. But if you would also like to try Athletic Greens, they are going to give you one free year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash trail society. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash trail society. And you too can take ownership over your health and pick up this ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We don't have a lot of races to talk about you guys, but I, we put, I think we put two, two in we're going to be a soft races episode and a, a bigger news episode. I think before we do a little, a little ask us anything. Hill, uh, not Hill, Keely, you pulled in the, the road 10, 10 mile national champs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the USA road 10 mile national championship was this weekend and they actually run it as a really cool format. Um, they start the women before the men at a mm-hmm. Delta from the, the average men's time. So the women started close to six minutes ahead of the men. Um, and whoever wins the entire race gets the equalizer bonus, which is like 10 grand. And so it's like really That's cool for whoever wild. wins. <laughs> um, 
And so Fiona O'Keefe, who's a 24-year-old, only been pro for about a year, she won the 10-mile championships in a new record. She beat Molly Huddle's record and ran 51.42. And she held off the men's winner, Hillary Bohr, who ran 46.06 um, and won her equalizer bonus, which is awesome. And it's her first year as a pro. So I feel like that is pretty cool as a 24-year-old. Um, and then another really cool thing about this race is that Sam Shalanga got second, who's just a goat, man. He is 37 years old and just still crushing it, throwing down with the speedy, speedy youngins. And so super cool to see him grab, te- grab second in a 10 mile race at that age. He's just showing up. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of goats, um, uh, a results that we did not put in here, but giving a shout out to the amazing race that happens in Spain every year. Ultra Pirineo happened this past weekend. They had snow on the high points of the course. Uh, our own Dylan Bowman ran his first race since becoming a dad, um, got to carry baby Rhodes across the finish line in the men's race. And I think Rhodes slept the entire finish line stretch, which is hilarious. Cause it's like very loud. Um, but Nuria Picas is back. Yeah. which I just love to see this woman tore up the scene from like the early, like kind of mid late aughts all the way through like 2017, 2017, she won UTMB and ultra perineo that year. I'm pretty sure. And then we really haven't seen her on the racing scene a whole mm-hmm. lot since then. You know, if you look at her race results from 2014 or 2015, like she raced a lot and we've mm-hmm. seen that, you know, historically with a number of women and men um, over the years where people raced a lot in those kind of like late, like I guess the aughts kind of, and then into, you know, the early 2010s as well. And so to see um, Nuria, who's I think in her forties, not only win, but set a course record was Mm -hmm. really, really cool. Like so, so happy for her to be back on the racing scene and racing phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nuria is is 45. Yeah. And as a mom, I think she's got a couple boys, Mm -hmm. like so, Mm -hmm. so cool to see. Speaking of moms, um, Emily Forsberg, she got third in the marathon at Ultra Pyrenees and all three of the ladies actually went under the previous course record. So Emily is back. Back. I love (laughs) it. I love it. So the other race that we were kind of, that's, I've always, I've always kind of followed, um, in the periphery is Spartathlon. It's, you know, it's a long, it's, is it, it's over a hundred, it's over a hundred miles, right? well over hundred miles, 246 kilometers, a long, long race. And it's, it's a road, it's a road ultra, um, as well. And so it generally pulls kind of a slightly different group than normal. Um, but we want to give a, a shout out to, uh, two us ladies on the podium, um, which is really, really exciting. Marissa Lazak of, uh, Marina del Rey, California was second, um, in 2534, uh, eighth overall and the sixth fastest all-time finish. So, so cool. And then Micah Morgan of Birmingham, Alabama was third in 27, 23, 44, 12th overall top 20 all time Camille Heron was in this race. And I was really excited to see what she could do here. Cause I think it, it, it's a race for her, right? Like this is definitely her jam. And from her post, it sounds like she, um, had to drop out early, um, she, I don't know if it was a sprinter van or a vehicle. She had a close call with a vehicle. It's, it's on, once again, it's on the road and that kind of just frazzled her. And I've experienced that on, on road runs and on the bike, it, it can be really hard to kind of calm yourself down and feel, feel confident continuing on running solo mm-hmm. like that. So she ended up dropping, um, from that race, which is a bummer, but yeah, such a um, bummer. I think she'll go back. The sad thing mm-hmm. about that car accident was that, uh, I believe she had a, a really, um, bad car accident, like three or four years ago before a race as well. So I think it just, this close call, uh, really hit close to home for her. Yeah. 
yeah. I think easy, easy to kind of get shaken up again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to kind of pivot to some news and um, Hilly kind of pulling off of your former um, time with the North face, the North face law. I mean, we, the mountain, the mountaineering community, we, um, you know, the, the North face team lost their team captain mm-hmm. um, last week in Hillary Nelson. I'm just wondering if you have, have anything that you'd like to say kind of in regards to, to losing a very, a very bright light in the sport of ski mountaineering. Um, yeah. And I'm going to try my best not to cry. Um, yeah, we've, um, I think like I've had, it's been a lot to, to process that it's actually true. I mean, I heard about the accident happening and, you know, you wait and you wait to actually see if it's actually true. Right. And obviously, um, you know, hearing firsthand from her climbing partner, Jim Morrison, it's like, not only did we lose someone, a key member of the, the mountaineering community, but I think she, we lost someone who has guided women's sports for three years. Um, she's been someone that I've looked up to, um, I mean, not only she's, she a mom, but she just constantly pushed the edge of what women were capable of doing. She, she had this grace about her that, you know, basically she didn't, she didn't care what other people thought. She was just going to, to do what she knew she was capable of. And in that she motivated so many people around her not even with, you know, words or aggressive action, just by what she could do in the mountains and what she believed that she could do. And, um, I've had a lot of time to, you know, say goodbye, come to terms, you know, with it, but I think everyone in the mountain community is really hurting. And I know her two sons are, um, you know, really hurting. So I think, and of course her, her climbing partner and, and, uh, life partner. So it's always devastating to, to lose someone in the mountains and especially someone like Hillary. Um, and I think, I think what really what she's done is going to speak to women (laughs) for decades to come. And, um, it's just, it's really sad that, we have to deal with her legacy now and um, we can't share in, you know, her, her mountain exploits um, anymore, but uh, it's been really hard. And, you know, I, she, I only knew her for, I knew her for a while when I was on the North face team, but I never had the chance to, you know, climb mountains alongside of her only, you know, run on trails and go to athlete events. Um, and, I mean, I always thought of Hillary as the a real living Wonder Woman. Um, she also looks like her too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I just it's I I have no other words. It's just it's so devastating, and I think that I'm just sending all the positive thoughts to the greater mountain community, running community, women in general, um, and especially to Hillary's loved ones. Yeah, and if you have not yet read the outside on lo- online piece that came out this past week called "In Defense of Adventurous Mothers," um, it's brilliant. It's yeah. really, really good. 
And it speaks to that. And it speaks to um, the double standard placed um, on women and in, and mothers in the adventure world. And some somewhere that, you know, Hillary definitely pioneered yes. along with um, uh, Alison Hargreaves, um, who passed away in the, the 90s. Um, as well. And so it's, it's a really, really beautiful piece. Um, so we'll, we'll link it in the show notes if we can, but yeah, that, that piece is, um, will hit you in the feels and and make you think, um, a lot. So do that and then send, send a prayer and a hug virtually out into the the mountain community because it, it really needs it right now. Mm -hmm. And from there, we're going to seamlessly transition. (laughs) We'll need like while he'll he'll drives (laughs) some tears um so talking about the the world's the world's team that got named for the u.s um it got announced this past week this is the delayed worlds that was supposed to take place in thailand last year well covid year and then last year and now it's finally going to happen i think 40 athletes were named to the u.s team because that includes there there are four like senior races and then a U20 race. Um, and these, these events used to happen kind of, uh, in a not synchronous fashion. They, they happened on their own schedule. They were their own events. And now they've kind of come under one hub as the de facto trail world championship supported by most like national governing bodies, like USA track and field, for example, for us. So that team was named this past week. Um, all of the usual suspects I think are in that mix. Those who qualified and those who, submitted resumes and petitioned, which is something that people should know about. These teams are not completely filled by, by race results or by being at specific races. You can, you can apply to these teams as well. Um, I've gotten actually, that's where Keely and I got to spend some time together was on a world's team in Italy a number of years ago, but they named the vertical mountain running team, which is 8.5 kilometer uphill race. Lauren Gregory, Allie Mack and Grayson Murphy make up that team for the women. Joe Gray, Cameron Smith, Cam Smith, and uh, so and then Dan Kurtz for the men. Um, some of those athletes will be doubling back for the mountain team, which is an 11.2 kilometer race that is an up-down format, and that will be Grayson Murphy, Sam Lewis, Rachel Tomasic, and Corey Dow on the women's side, and then on the men's side will be Joe Gray, Andy Wacker, Mason Copey, and Morgan Elliott. Um, the I think last time they did a race like a race championships like this, David Sinclair like doubled back because someone was injured or sick or something. And he raced multiple events um, after not being named to do so. So people will kind of step up and fill in where need be. And then the 40 K team kind of the marathon team is Michelle Merrillis who won a race out. uh, She qualified off of a race on the East coast earlier this year, Christina um, Massaneris, who's a Colorado athlete. She has won the Pikes Peak Marathon or has, and has raced that race a lot. Super good there. Stevie Kramer. So good to see Stevie Kramer on, on this team. Um, Kimber Maddox, who's having an amazing season and Ashley Brosovan. The men are Max King, um, Jonathan as is, uh, Noah Williams, uh, Joseph Demore, and Zach Miller. So seeing Zach Miller race a trail marathon is my mind <laughs> is really exciting. That's fun. <laughs> and then Max yeah. King has had to turn down this team a bunch. He was supposed to be on teams that I've made in the past and due to sponsor obligations has been basically told that no, he shouldn't do that race. So really, really excited to see Max on a trail team because he's raced like 100K road worlds, but I feel like he's had to turn down the trail team a bunch. So cool to see him here. Then for the 80K team, um, we've got Jennifer Lichter doing her debut 50 miler, um, Brittany Charbonneau or the funny runner, Addie Bracey, Caitlin Gerben, and Leah Yingling fan, fan favorite Leah Yingling. <laughs> that's a um, rock star team. That's, yeah, it is. That's a good team. 
Um, so excited to see what Jennifer Lichter does at that distance as well. And then David Sinclair, Eric LaPuma, Adam Peterman, Adam Mary, and Jeff Colt is the men's team. So like what also a group stacked. of studs. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we're showing up this year. Yeah. yeah. Go say. <laughs> yeah. Go, go team USA. Um, notable missing from this. And I have to believe it's due to golden trail series obligations. Totally. Yeah. And that's going to be Sophia Lockley, Tabor and Eli Hemming. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I was assuming that they'd apply to a team like this and would be shoe ins for a 40k team, mm-hmm. um, or you know an up down mountain team. Danny Moreno and Bailey Kowalczyk are not on this team, and I'm assuming this is uh, has to do with Golden Trail Series mm-hmm. being a conflict because this race is in early November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because so, they're all in the final, so that makes sense. Yeah. So, but it'll be interesting to see who prioritizes going to a thing like this versus going to golden trail. Cause I think someone like Blondine will be at this, for example, um, mm, though she, I think could make, could have gone to the finals, um, given that she was at that race in Norway and came to the U S to race. So I think it's kind of an interesting mix of athletes that will be at both of those things with timing. Um, but it should be a good race. You know, does, is at, does Adam Peterman bring home like another, another big top of the podium finish here. Like we could have many, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see podiums out of the U S team. I think we've got a chance to winning, winning some overall medals as, as a team. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we could see a bunch of world championship, a bunch of world champions and the likes of Joe Gray, Grayson Murphy, Mm -hmm. Adam Peterman, you know, the list, Mm -hmm. the list goes on. Um, so just so, so excited to watch. Yeah. Um, I put in a couple more things that I thought were super interesting. The first, and we'll just kind of hit this quickly, was the UCI is going to host the national championships for for Afghanistan for women's road cycling. Um, they evacuated out a bunch of um, of women um, with the kind of rise of the Taliban in the fall, kind of kind of the fall of the the organizational country there. So they have organized the 2022 women's road championships for of of Afghanistan. It's going to take place in Switzerland by UCI headquarters. Um, in the aftermath of kind of what everything was that was going on over there, the UCI and others, including um, the Israel premier tech owner, Sylvan Adams, helped several Afghan, Afghan women cyclists and their families flee the country. Um, so it's kind of cool that the UCI is, is supporting these women and putting on their national championships, um, given that they wouldn't be able to do these things if they were still at home. So I thought that was very, very cool. And that had come across my, my radar through Velo News. And then, and mother and Solomon, um, helped to put on the, the Solomon women's half marathon in Marin County recently. And the big thing that happened there is that they piloted new standards of lactation support and childcare at races. And they sent out a survey afterwards. Um, I'll try to find the link to for everyone. I don't know if it's still open or not, but that was really interesting because it, it was for people who were lactating or people who weren't lactating, but like, would you support these initiatives? Um, so essentially this is kind of quoting from the article here. They set a new standard for parental support at races to serve, um, serve and demonstrate the necessary structures for the future of work and recreation when it comes to gender equity and parenting access to quality childcare allows for the necessary time and space that mothers need, not only for career advancement, but also for personal development, recreation, rest, and more access to lactation space that fully, that fully accommodates the needs of those choosing to pump or breastfeed provides flexibility, such as the choices around breastfeeding and pumping are not limited by the lack of structure outside of the home. So they provided, um, a place to pump, um, at both the start and the finish and at certain aid stations along the course, and also the ability to store and transport breast milk. So they like 
in a lot of ways, I think people will feel this is like them going above and beyond, but I think it was a really um, cool standard to set and um, an interesting thought process of like, how do you do this at big races? Um, how yeah. do you make this the norm? Is is it possible to make it the norm? What logistical nightmares come up from it? But really, really cool. They were able to support people, support women or people choosing to breastfeed um, in this way at this race. So I thought that was very, very cool to see. Yeah, I am really excited about this. I would love to hear the opinion from from some mothers who are at that race. Yeah, so if you're at that race or if you're a a person who breastfeeds or pumps or whatever it might be childcare stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like was this something that interests you? Is this something that you wish was at more races? Um maybe, you know, your kids are older, but you wish this would have been available while you were going through um these these phases of parenthood. So um, slide into our DMS. We'd love, we'd love to hear some from some parents on this. Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of perfect timing because in the scientific literature as well, pregnancy and pregnant females, um, are getting a lot of attention for once, which is pretty cool because typically there's not a lot of scientific research in this space. And so a lot of women that we've had on the podcast, namely Stephanie Howe, Clara Bernard Miller have also that they've been kind of, you know, fending for themselves when they're pregnant to try to figure out, you know, what should they do? Like, what is good? What will happen after pregnancy? Um, and so one paper in particular came out of Canada, um, team of Duroc, Duroc et al., Um, They followed actually 42 elite middle to long distance runners. They followed them through their entire pregnancy journey. So they started during pre-pregnancy and they went through post, which is awesome. Um, And they actually found that 60% of the participants who actually intended to return to running after pregnancy had no statistical downturn in performance, Hmm. um, which is awesome. And that uh, 46% actually had improved performance post-pregnancy. And so as soon as I read this article, I actually sent it to my friend, Rachel Drake and my other friend, Marianne here, who are both pregnant. And, and I just got a bunch of really stoked emojis back, obviously like, all right, we're going for it. Um, but I, I think this is really encouraging for women out there who are, you know, trying to push their bodies to the limit and be the best athlete they can be and, and choosing to take a pause, to have a child, to, to actually read about other women being able to return to sport at a level the same or better than they were before child is really, really, really encouraging. So I'm really excited about this kind of work. Hopefully they can continue this kind of work and really dive into, you know, body changes that happen, physiological changes that happen and really dive into all of these parameters around women who are undergoing pregnancy. Um, but I would say this is really promising. And the final little tidbit about this study was that they actually found that the performance gain or maintenance was not related to how much mileage they ran during their trimesters. And so again, there's not a one size fits all. You didn't have to be that 1% of pregnant women who could run every step of your pregnancy. There was, there was no relationship between your ability to run during your pregnancy and how good you were able to run after. And so I thought that was a really, really cool study. Um, and as I was diving down deeper and deeper into science direct, 
I found that a lot of studies have been published this year around pregnant women um, and specifically athletes, um, not always elite athletes. And they're coming out with a lot of findings. And I'll shout out here to Dr. Kelly Hogan, who sends me a ton of articles on Twitter and I love her for it. Um, and I just went down a rabbit hole and, you know, I'll sign, I'll put some of these in the show notes, but basically there's now a lot of work that's coming out. That's showing that, you know, physical activity and nutrition actually do matter a lot for, for mother health and for infant health. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be that you're an elite runner when you're pregnant, but, you know, continuing on that exercise regimen, whatever that may be for you is really important, um, for, for your health and your baby's health. And so I think just, you know, at least seeing this out there, showing that we're actually studying women and, and showcasing how we can, you know, improve the health of women and their babies, um, is really exciting for the future. So keep yourself active, whatever that may be while you're pregnant. Um, it doesn't have to look pretty. Just get out there a little bit. Yeah. I remember going to the ACSM conference and talking to people about this, about how do you, you know, you can't really do interventional studies on pregnant women, mm -hmm. um, getting, getting approval from, from ethics, ethics committees are uh, it's a little bit harder, um, when it comes to pregnant women, despite the fact that pregnant women are active, pregnant women are inactive, pregnant women, um, get sick, pregnant women are, are sick to begin with sometimes like it's, you know, but we don't want to do research on them because mm -hmm. they're two lives kind of that we're thinking about there. So, um, but doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, you know, kind of trying to pursue answers for, for, for people that fit into that, um, that category. So yeah, it's a, like, just like, yes, yes. to people doing this work, um, because it's not easy. Um, but I think this, we're going to segue now into the meat and potatoes and our meat and potatoes is kind of our, you know, answers, answers to questions directly from you, the audience. Um, we got a late breaking one that I'm excited about that I think we'll be able to uh, wax poetically on for a while. Um, but to start, we got to thank our other kind of key sponsor here. And that's the feed. Again, your one-stop shop for all your nutrition needs. The feed was built as a way to try new products and diversify the nutrition you consume during your activities, which means as I think Keely pointed out, you're not married to one flavor for the entirety of a box because we've all been stuck with 20, 20 of something before. And sometimes it's a great problem. And sometimes you're like, I can't eat one more of these <laughs> by offering that single serving of the best sports nutrition products around and shipping it all in one box directly to you means you get to dabble and try a little bit of everything. And it also means that you're not sourcing it from all over the place, which which saves a lot. I guess it could shave a lot of waste associated with multiple shipments and boxes. Um, plus they, uh, they ship things out really quickly. 95% of orders go out same day. So we got a new URL for our feed partnership. And we're going to share it all with you guys because our last feed link got a little bit hijacked. So our newest deal actually gives you guys $15 of feed credit. And all you have to do is follow www.thefeed.com slash trail society. And this will give you $15 in feed credit instead of the 15% off. You'll just get 15 bucks to spend at the feed. So hope you guys enjoy our new URL and let us know if you have any trouble. Um, I know that I've been dabbling in a bunch of different things. <laughs> um, I, while I'm a sucker for waffles and will always be, <laughs> I'm wondering uh, what else I, I, I would like one sponsorship just from waffles, please. But 
um, <laughs> because I, I spend a lot of my my monthly stipend on it. But I'm wondering what your go-to fuel for the for pre-run is right now from both of you gals. Well, I hate to break it to you, Corinne, but you got me on the waffle train. <laughs> so literally this morning I had I just went out for um a ride and it was a very early ride. I froze my butt off, but um I had a waffle with some peanut butter. It was so amazing. I toast mine. It's so good. I toast so mine too. maybe this is a problem because like I'm almost done with the with the package and I literally got my my feet thing like on Friday. <laughs> So there's six waffles in a package. So that's not crazy. Okay. Also, well, I feel sad that I see it disappearing. But I mean, other <laughs> other than that, so thank you, Corinne, because I was finally just like, okay, what am I going to get in my pack? And then it's like, hmm, I haven't had waffles in a while. So you know, more morning luncheon, uh, dinner for me at least. Uh, uh, but I actually, I mean, so I've actually um, the JoJ bar, like bars have been working really well for me lately because it's good for like the, the longer, um, like slower uh, mountain training that I'm doing and then on the bike. Um, but yeah, and obviously it's just the protein recovery mixes. I like that. I've been doing, I've been trying out a few brands that I like. Yeah. I eat the same breakfast every morning and a lot of it, I, I don't get from the feed. So I'm kind of boring, but I really want to try the waffles. Mm. Um, but I actually, I try a new bag of granola every time I order a box. And this time I tried da- Tao's Bakes and it's quite good. So highly recommend if you guys are granola fans who listen, if you're not, I'm sorry. Um, but if you are, which you should be, you should try either picky bar granola or Tao's Bakes granola. They're both, they're nice. Yeah, we also we get uh the single serve um sizes of the uh trail butter as mm. well. So they come in like just over an ounce of I think that it's, yeah, so it's like good. an ounce and a half a half or something for the single serving size. And you can get a, you can get them in a box of twelve though. And so you you add that to your waffle and you're really you're in business. Mm-hmm. Um so they're delicious. <laughs> so go go check it out. Um, but without further ado, we're going to dive into a couple questions. We've got two, I think, two, maybe three kind of longer questions and then a bunch of rapid fire um, before we we let you go. We'll make it through. I have confidence <laughs> in us. Um, but the first question was had to do with iron. Um, I don't know. I'm going to raise my hand. I, I have iron issues. Does anyone else here have iron issues? Hands up. I just got okay. my ferritin to, to get raised finally. So it went from 18 to 43 in Yay. three months. Yeah. So question for you, while you were in Park City, um, riding your bike, were you supplementing iron while you were out there? Of course. Yes. I have to every time I go to altitude, but I didn't last summer and I hadn't tested for a year and my ferritin went from 50 to 18 or 17. And so I tested in March, realized it was that low, started supplementing every other day. And, um, then obviously continued that supplementation at altitude, which I would do now knowing regardless, I just kind of totally forgot last summer. And you know, that was silly. Yeah. So people that's, that's kind of a great point to start with. People need more iron generally across the board mm-hmm. at elevation. Um, but any of these recommendations come with a, a caveat, which we love of uh, working with your primary care provider mm-hmm. um, and not supplementing blindly. So getting a blood test and that can just be a, a CBC and iron panel and a fair and getting your ferritin checked. Um, Cause ferritin is not included in an iron panel. Usually um, that will give you an idea of your iron stores because um, men in particular, um, generally don't have as low of iron as women. 
And then um, some people also have a genetic factor that puts them at risk for high iron and high iron presents like, like um, from a symptom standpoint, wow, that was hard to get out from a symptom standpoint, um, very similar, similarly to anemia. So just kind of keep that in mind. Don't, don't blindly supplement because um, iron will deposit um, in your organs and you don't want that. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my big caveat there, but um, they, the person um, wrote in asking kind of what were the differences between low ferritin versus low iron? Cause you know, they hear these things tossed around a lot. Um, and again, you know, when you're going in to get tested, you're going to look at, you're going to look at CBC an iron panel, which is going to do things like hemoglobin and hematocrit and a couple other fancy numbers like transferrin saturation and, and kind of stuff that we don't you know need to get into today. Um, and then ferritin and ferritin is different kind of as far as, as what we're looking for there. Um, but essentially, you know, and, and then anemia is another term thrown around there um, as well. And you can be iron deficient, you can have iron deficient anemia and you can have non iron deficient anemia. Um, so kind of some definitional things, right. You know, ferritin is a blood protein, um, that stores iron. So we think of a ferritin reading as your iron stores in your body, typically found in your liver. Um, and then it's released into your body as you, as, as needed, essentially your body also is protective in which it'll do things called your hepcidin response. It releases this thing called hepcidin so that you can't absorb too much iron. Cause once again, it deposits in your organs. You don't want too much of it. You want the right amount of it. Um, but exercise also, um, increases hepcidin response, also large supplementation. So if you're like doubling down or tripling down on iron supplements, that, that also triggers this hepcidin response so that you can't absorb it all. So as Keely mentioned, supplementing every other day is a good way to do that or supplementing, um, within a window kind of post-exercise, but not too far after exercise where your hepcidin might be higher. Um, so just, there's a lot of kind of nuances there, but ferritin, you can think of as your iron stores. Okay. But then the other big number that people look at is hemoglobin. Um, and hemoglobin is really, really important for transportation of, of your oxygen. Um, it, it's on, it's part of your blood cells essentially, and it's what's going to carry your oxygen through your body. Um, so that's the other, that's the other big number that people look at. You, that you'll also get a, hem, uh, a hematocrit number, but for the most part, that's generally pretty normal. If you're dehydrated, that will actually be high. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's something to keep in mind. You want to be kind of normally hydrated when you go in to get these tests done. Um, the big things to note though, is that you can have, you know, normal hemoglobin, but low ferritin, for example. And that's kind of what we would, we would first call, um, you know, like not, I think that that one classifies as like non-iron deficient anemia. And then as you kind of progress along that stand, as you progress along that line, you end up having a, a drop in hemoglobin as well. And that's kind of when like more red flags go up. Um, but that ferritin number and why I asked Keely right off the bat were what, you know, were you supplementing at altitude was because we know for the most part, if your ferritin reading is below 35 and that's kind of across the board, men and women, we just kind of say 35. Some people say 40, even, mm -hmm. um, it's really hard for your body to make adaptations at altitude. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. If you're going to be traveling to altitude to try to get a bump from being up there, or maybe you live up high. We try to stay above that 35 mark, which can be really hard. Um, technically, physicians, the cl like clinical settings, don't don't really worry about you if your ferritin's above 12. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, a ferritin of 12 is not very much fun. So <laughs> yeah, not far. fun at all. So from an athlete, from an athletic stand standpoint, we say above 35. 
for benefits at altitude. And then generally speaking, you know, we even say, Hey, if you can get your ferritin above 60, that would be ideal. But mm-hmm. I've raced really, really well with a ferritin of like 14. Mm-hmm. So don't, yeah. don't let it get you down. Um, but that's when you want to, that's, those are reasons to supplement It's kind mm-hmm. of, you can have normal hemoglobin, but low ferritin. And if you just get an iron panel without getting your ferritin looked at, mm-hmm. you'll miss that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You won't look, you won't look at quote unquote anemic. Um, and those are kind of the big, those to me are like the big, the big things in and around or the big main points in and around low ferritin versus low iron. Yeah. And I have one more thing to add around iron level. So I get messages sometimes from people who get an inside tracker test or some sort of test. And they're like, why is my iron so high? And they start freaking out because they're like, this says I need to go talk to my doctor. Iron's toxic. Um, and while yes, iron can be toxic, like Kern was saying, it can deposit into the organs. That's not great. We don't want high levels of circulating iron all the time. It is relatively, um, normal common to have high iron, especially if you are supplementing. So if you Mm -hmm. supplemented the day before your blood draw, your iron will be high. Right. And so that doesn't always mean you have high iron that really needs medical attention. Um, but, but it is something to be aware of that that level can fluctuate and the iron level is much more able to fluctuate than like your ferritin level. So that's why getting that ferritin level is, is really important because it's much more consistent of a, of a level because it's the store and not just free iron. Yeah. Yeah. And when you don't have a lot of ferritin kind of on board, it actually impairs your ability to, like, to utilize um, the oxygen that you're transporting to your body. So yeah. Yeah. yeah and you need oxygen. You need it to the muscles to go. So I think that's the big thing there is uh, don't just get an iron panel, get ferritin alongside it, which is a pretty normal ask for a provider that might be ordering the test for you, um, just to make sure that that is within normal range as well, because your hemoglobin can be totally normal and your ferritin can be low. So keep, keep an eye on that. But yeah, like I said, I've raced really well on like 12 to 14 before. So it's not, it's not, it's not a game. It's not a game changer. It's not, it's not going to end you. Um, but we can definitely make it better. And that would be ideal. We want to hear all of your good stories about racing above 12 and 14. (laughs) A hundred, a hundred percent. Um, I think the other long question that we're going to answer, cause I think it's really good. And it, this is the one that I said, was kind of like late breaking. And I, I had someone write in and I said, don't worry, we're answering this for next week. And they, um, they're coming to California more than likely for, uh, an internship. They're, a vet, they're training to be a vet. Um, this is, this is a very important internship. It's kind of like final steps to be like released into the world, to be their own, uh, big animal, vet after this. And so it's a pretty, it's pretty intensive. They're, they're potentially having to move to an area that doesn't have super great trail access. They're kind of in that in-between zone. They'd be like two hours from Yosemite, but then they're still a ways from like the coast from like Santa Cruz. They're kind of in that inland, inland empire. Um, so they're just stressed out. They're worried that maybe, you know, their running is going to be limited. They're worried that their ability to get to trails is going to be super limited. And they're worried that they're going to lose fitness. And so kind of, we wanted, wanted whatever advice we might have to, um, to, to manage those, those, I think it's three months or so that they'll be, be living in that, in that state and in that place. So, I mean, the first thing I've, I've read some of the comments that uh, you put in there, Corinne, and I, I, I love the one, um, uh, the science one, because, um, I had to go through this too. Even if you don't run for two weeks, like zero training, you, there's really no decline and then it's maybe after, after that, you see about a 20, 20% decline in VO2 max. So it's like, really, you have to do quite a lot of like resting before you see any decline in anything. So rest is not always a bad thing. And 
honestly, the other thing I would say is that three months might seem like an eternity, right? It's a disruption to your routine. It seems like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going, how am I going to do with this? Like, it's a very, it's a drop of water in a huge bucket when you, when you think about it and, you know, taking a little bit of time away or rest or like, um, pivoting a little bit can probably, you know, do, do you good. You could use it as an opportunity to learn that you could actually run less maybe sometimes. Yeah. I was like, man, you can probably still run a little bit. And even totally. if you can a little, like, that's kind of like, you can yeah. get, you can get away with a lot running just a little tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to quote our favorite therapist, Daniel Snyder, uh, <laughs> stress is stress is stress. Right. And so, you know, when I know I have something stressful coming up or a couple of weeks of something that's going to take up a lot of my time, a lot of my mental capacity, a lot of my stress, I know that I need to count that into my training, right? Because all of a sudden your training load goes from being something to something higher than that, because mm-hmm. the amount of stress you're putting under onto your body is now more, more than you had planned for. So you have to adjust that training to accommodate because at the end of the day, you're getting the same amount of stress, right? And training in a nutshell is your body's ability to adapt to that stress. And so in a really backwards way, I think you should kind of put that in as part of your training and kind of factor that into how you build out that training and be okay with that being part of your adaptation for that month, right? Like this is going to be very helpful for you in the, in your future life. The training is still going to happen. If I, I don't know you, but I'm sure you're some really, really driven, awesome go-getter gal. And you are just going to be crushing that internship. And you're also going to be still getting out there and running, even if it's not as much as you're used to, your fitness is not going to go anywhere. And I think if you are okay running less, you're going to be running better. And you're not going to feel as crummy if you're actually able to, you know, cut that mileage down and keep that stress level the same as before when you didn't have as stressful of a schedule. Yeah. Stress is stress is stress. You can still run a little bit. Maybe you get a weekend off and you're going to Yosemite. You can get a little bit more, more fill. I I would think of that as not training, but filling the spirit sponge. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can get to Santa Cruz. If you can get to Yosemite, don't be like, I need to cram training and be like, I'm going to go fill my spirit sponge and be really happy. And that's going to sustain me for another week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever it might be. And then just get in that little hit to get your body moving. That's what I'd focus on. And, and, and like remove the stress of like, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose a bunch of fitness. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of us are sitting here injured being like, blah, we lose fitness all the time. And it comes, I mean, it does, it comes but back yeah, really quickly too. It really does. Yeah. yeah. And like your base fitness is there. Like mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I always use this analogy for training, like every now and again, you have to, you have to wring out the sponge. Like you have to let it go. But even if you let the sponge go completely dry, if you put some water on it again, it still absorbs. Like that is you, like you still will know how to run even if you take some time off. Okay. (laughs) I hope you're absorbing that at home. (laughs) Right now we're going to do some quick, some quick hits. It's going to be really fast. No thinking involved. I think we can do this. I believe in us. Mm -hmm. Okay. You ready? Yes. And I'll make a Keely go and then Hillary go. And then I'll go favorite running season. Uh, September in Portland, Oregon. Nice. <laughs> fall, generally speaking. I'm a fall person too. We're fall all the <laughs> way around. It's the best. It's it only lasts season. for a second though. See, <laughs> see, mine's not technically fall though. September in Portland. I know this isn't short, but September in Portland is always like 85 to 90. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so I'm kind of a summer huh. runner. <laughs> 
Okay. Next one. You're five kilometers from home in a long run. Like you've been out for hours. What food are you dreaming about? Baffles. <laughs> that was Hillary. Sorry. Oh, man. I think I don't dream of food right away. I drink, I dream of my soda stream, fizzy water. Oh, <laughs> all the bevies. I'm a bevy. I'm like, how many, like I'm ordering multiple beverages from like Equator coffee on the way down the hill for tan, <laughs> generally speaking, like on the run. I'm like, I want this iced coffee. I want this lemonade. I'm good to go. Um, sounds like we're liquids. We're team liquids. Uh-huh. Yeah. If there, if there was another sport, you know, time money wasn't, you know, wasn't a factor, wasn't, didn't need to be considered there. What other sport would you want to try to like go all in on? Who's mountain biking. And with that, I would also say if uh, time, money and technique wasn't a factor. <laughs> skill of skill is not a factor. <laughs> Oh man, I'm going to go way less left, left field. And one thing I've wanted to try for a really long time now is windsurfing. Mm. You'd be a good windsurfer, Keely. I think way. I'd be horrible, but I just think <laughs> it could be fun. <laughs> I wish I was a dancer. Ooh, I think, I think dance is just really cool and really beautiful and strong and all the things. Um, what podcast are y'all currently listening to besides ours, obviously? <laughs> um, currently mine is the revisionist history by Malcolm Gladwell. I have to like I was still on that kick too, but also add um it's an honest it's called Honestly, a podcast by Barry Weiss. It's pretty good. I'm adding it to my list. And then I've been listening to Hysteria, which is by Crooked Media, and it's kind of like us, but very political. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's like it's two women and they always have like a third, a third friend on, and it's amazing. It's great. If you need a good rant and you're ready to go be angry in the woods with your friends, listen to Hysteria. Um, okay, I love this question. It made, so me hard. made me giggle a lot. I if, have an answer. If you're a Spotify playlist, what would your title be? It's uh, the title of one of my playlists already. Um, and it's the title of a song by Ron Gallo. And it's Young Lady, You're Scaring Me. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so lame. I don't even know if I can think of one. Okay, I'll tell I'm going to go last. Okay, mine would be Sad Dad Radio. That's 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 my musical theme. I'm just sad dad radio. I think oh. mine's just Lego. Lego. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it. let's go. Because I, I feel like all my my pump up music is just what I'm always vibing. So Lego. Different vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do, little dad. It's <laughs> the sad dad over here. Okay. What's the single? And this is because it's a hard one, but mm. keep it keep it snappy. What's the single biggest change you've made in your life or training that you're actively benefiting from right now? Mine is sleeping. Okay. I sleep now. Mm. I didn't sleep before like high school, college me, not a good sleeper. I love sleep now. Like can't get enough of it. There could be something wrong with me, but I really love sleep. And I think I'm benefiting from it. I feel the difference. Well, mine would be, um, adding in protein, um, and, uh, really being diligent about diligent about the timing of my nutrition. And that's during runs and making sure, um, like and post run or ride. That's great. I'd say mine is expanding my life to encompass new things that are not running. I love it. Look at us. We're balanced. Okay. Last, last one. And then we'll do a, just a wild round of society slamming and we'll let everyone go. Um, If you could live somewhere else, anywhere Mm. else, where would it be? Um, In my van. 
okay, and perfect. Wow. in my van so I could travel around driving, but also my van would be a boat so I could go to Europe. <laughs> I Yes, there's a caveat there. I mean, if I had to live somewhere else, I guess I would go live in Cormier. Mm. Oh. Oh. Mm. Okay. I, um, if I had to go live somewhere else, I think I'd go to Canmore. Oh, like Banff, I've never Banff been I love on my it. list. One of my favorite training, training spots in the, you want to go world. up this summer? I'll come. Let's do it. <laughs> Canmore trip. Here we come. Uh, Canadians get at us. We know that you're listening. Okay. Last thing before we are completely out of time. Society slam. Brought to you by Aura Ring. Yeah. Who has something in their inbox that they would love to share? Keely, Hillary, I have what one. do you got? Okay. So my lovely friend, Rachel Drake, had her baby. <gasps> and he's so, so adorable. And she recently posted um, about pregnant running. And I just kind of wanted to reiterate some of her bullet points for those of you who might be listening, who are going through pregnancy and want some advice. Um, she said, basically in a nutshell, we need to listen to our body and don't be surprised if every day feels different. We need to prioritize snacks. <laughs> don't, And you might surprise yourself with how much you need to eat. And that's okay. Um, make sure to bring water, even on shorter runs, because you might also surprise yourself with how thirsty you are. Um, if your body says no to running, consider being gentle to your body and go for gentle walks or some sort of light physical activity to give yourself a mental release. And number five, the, my favorite is to practice gratitude. Your body is making a human. I feel that way about not being pregnant too, but shout out to Rachel. We love you. We love you, Rachel. Fan, fan favorite, your baby included. Hilly, what do you got? Well, I, I mean, I have a, a local, uh, a local event here in Boulder that I just want to, to, to plug for people, yeah. people that are here, or even if they're, they're not, they can kind of send us DMS and maybe we can do it like a follow-up episode, but the topic of, um, you know, women and training and specifically with endurance, um, endurance training and strength training, nutrition, it's like a lot of factors. And so I'm teaming up with, um, a strength coach, um, and, uh, nutritionist Dina, we had her on the podcast. Um, and we're talking about all three aspects of training. I'm going to be there talking about the running portion of endurance training, um, a, a course specifically for women it's on Tuesday. So, um, October 11th, uh, over at Reveal sports and performance, our gym here, we can like link to it in the show notes, but, um, if you're in town in Boulder area, you can come by, um, and if not, you can ask us questions or follow up questions or, um, go back in and listen to that episode that we recorded with Dina. Cause it's got a lot of information there and we're going to cover topics of how to, um, best support your, your, the phases of your cycle with nutrition, strength training and endurance training. So amazing. Cool. Yeah. I have two, my, my society slam this week is, is selfish and it's a, a little bit of shop talk here. It's very, it's very brief. One, you know how we always are like, slide into my DMs, hit me up. You guys do an amazing job of that. If you would like to do things like continue these discussions offline, but with more than just me or Keely or Hillary, um, consider joining the pro membership over at Free Trail. We had an amazing discussion led by the parents that are in the Free Trail group, the Free Trail pro membership group um, about early specialization in sport. Some sharing their own personal experiences when they were kids, but also like what they're currently going through with young children. Mm -hmm. Um, That was really, really cool to be a part of. So consider it. 
go check it out over at freetrail.com. That's the pro membership where you can join our Slack channel and uh, chat about these topics mm-hmm. off air with us. Yeah. And slide into our Slack DMs. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really fun community. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. Maybe we can discuss this episode. Anything you liked from ours, throw in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I want to say is that um, I'm getting tons of really cool pitches for the website itself um, for article ideas. But uh, ladies, ladies listening, um, I get a lot from men and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of them are brilliant writers and we're going to have their stuff on the website and it's going to be amazing. But Ladies, pitch me, pitch me, female voices, non-binary voices, um, voices from all over the place, from, from Europe, from Asia, from wherever you're listening, um, from our own backyards, maybe pitch me like no idea too small. Maybe you're not a writer. That's okay. That's why you get to work with someone like me to, to hopefully add a little shine to whatever your idea might be. So, um, again, you can pitch me at Corinne, my name at freetrail.com. Um, please slide. that's like my biggest DM slide in ever just email me um, because I would love to share your voice with the rest of the world and I think that's it for this week we're just over time we did a great job we will see you all on the trails very soon 